Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Episode 14 of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. My lucky number, 14. It's also the year I started drinking. You mean 21? <laughs> of course, 14's way too young. It was more like 16. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is a plus 7. Plus 7, sure. Right. So, or minus 7, depending on what you're going for. Right. Um, Unless you're talking to a doctor about how many beers you drink in a week, then you should definitely just be honest and say, hey, don't multiply my number. I'm being real with you. Yes. I happen to drink six beers a day. Yes. Don't make that sound like 13, <laughs> all right? The reason 14 is my lucky number, by the way. Yeah. Is I grew up in New Jersey, and we would go down to the shore every single summer to uh, Maury's Pier at Wildwood Crest. So for anyone who's familiar with that, Jersey shout out. Uh, it's down. It's very, very South Jersey. Basically, the furthest south you can go, except for Cape May. And one day, I played one of those shoot the water into the the hole to get to to like move a horse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing on the boardwalk, and I sat at seat number fourteen, and I won. And then I stayed there for a second game, and I won. And then I went to another game and sat at seat number 14, and I won. Ooh. So 14 is my lucky number. Good for you. And based on what the podcast today is going to be and what I see before me, I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty fun podcast. Yeah, Merry Christmas to us. <laughs> Merry beer miss to us. So uh, episode 14 today is going to be OG beers. Now, I know we talked about this very briefly in the first episode of the podcast, and we did kind of a brief history and then moved on to culture of beer. But I had this written down in a list of notes of things that I were that I was interested in talking about that we were interested in talking about for the podcast. And wanted to give a little bit more detailed love to the OG craft beers in Oregon. And when I say more detailed love, I mean right in front of us, we have a McMinniman's Ruby, we have a Rogue Dead Guy, we have a Widmer Hef, or Hefe, as they would like We're you to say. We're going with Hef. Okay. Full Sail Amber and Deschutes Blackview Porter. All right in front of us. Yeah. Now, no, we are not going to drink the entirety of every one of these beers because uh, we have things to do today. <laughs> we have other jobs. Adulting. Also, Beer of the Week is still coming. Yeah. And that one tends to be more consumed because we're tasting it and trying to find the flavors. So this will be more of a sipping episode for these OG beers, and that's fine, but it's just very exciting to see all five of them laid out in front of me like this. <laughs> yeah, what well, gave me the idea to pick these up on the way in, because we had talked about doing this OG podcast, um, which which I really, really enjoy. What, what made me think of these beers specifically was I actually went to, you know, not to honk on this place too much, but I love it so much, and we'll talk more about them later. I was at Cerveza for a, uh, it was, it was uh, Portland Beer Week, and they did kind of a kickoff event where they called it like a like a throwback Thursday sort of thing. Okay. Pints were four dollars, and they had Pelicans Kawanda Cream, 
Bridgeport IPA, Dead Guy, Ruby, Hefeweizen from Widmer, Full Sail Amber, Deschutes Black Butte Porter, uh, LCD from Lompoc, and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm. And me and my buddy Badger sat there and drank a pint of every single thing on the menu. We like were sitting outside and we had a pint of each one sitting there. Were, we were you just sharing tasting. them? Yeah, we were just sharing them. Okay, I was going to say, that's how many each? Like Oh, that's eight, 10 beers. 10 beers yeah, each? Yeah. yeah. And we were just kind of tasting them and bouncing back and forth. And we, oh my goodness, we had such a blast. I mean, we were loaded by the end of it, but we had I would so imagine. much fun because we never drink these beers anymore. I know. I think that's what's exciting about talking about these beers and going back and tasting them again is like, I would, I, I'm never, no offense, but I'm never going to a grocery store and buying a six pack of Full Sail Amber. It's just, it's not my beer. It's not my style. Um, it's just not going to happen. As much as we talk about our love for Black Butte Porter, again, I'm not, I'm never buying this. I'm always like, oh, what's new? What's trendy? What's awesome? So to come back in and kind of dive into these on a more, I don't know, I guess intellectual level uh, is going to be really fun. It's kind of a more intimate level too, because a lot of the times when you see these type of beers, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a party. I'm going to have a Blackview Porter or I'm going to have a, a Hef or, oh, this is the, the thing on tap, the one craft beer on tap. Mm-hmm. I'll have that. But you're just drinking it because you want a good craft beer and you know that it, it's good. It may not be new or trendy or your favorite, but it's like, oh, it's solid. I'll, I'll enjoy it. But being able to do it here in this setting where it's like, oh, let's actually take a look at the flavors in these beers and why mm-hmm. are they so successful and why are they still so solid today? It's kind of more intimate, too. It's cool. I've never had any of these beers in this kind of a, a mindset. No, and I think you nailed it right on the head. I mean, how many barbecues did you go to? And you were like, I don't really feel like cheap beer. But, you know, I mean, I always bring beer, so I don't run into this. But in my younger days, you forget to bring beer or you just didn't have money to bring beer. And you open the cooler and there's a Widmer Hef and you're like, oh, guess I'm drinking this. That's good. Yep. There you go. Yep. We'll survive. Good option for me. So let us know what you think of the podcast and some of your OG beers that, you're, that are your favorites. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Radio.com and the Radio.com app. You can do it on iTunes and Google Play as well. And uh, you can also find it on social meds. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter, Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram, and also it's on at 1080 Fan on Twitter. You can find it there. Let us know uh, there your favorite OG beers, and also rate, subscribe, review, all those things. We appreciate it, uh, and, and appreciate all the downloads, too. It's The numbers so far have been great, and we're, we're really, really appreciative so far. And uh, let us know what you're thinking and what, what you'd like us to do and your beers that you've been drinking and your beer of the week and all that. You can feel free to let us know on social media. We, we appreciate it. So... Let's get to going here. Let's uh, let's get started. Which, remember, we're only doing some sips. <laughs> we are not going to fall into the trap of drinking too much of these beers because it's going to be a massive mistake. I'll tell where you would what. you where would you like to start? Would you like to go in order of say taster tray ish and go light to dark? Do you want to go in order of oldest to newest? Do you want to go in what, what's the what's the plan of action I here? I think the plan of action is. What's going to be the less crashing on the palate from start to finish? Okay. So that's I taster tray ish, right? Yeah, taster tray style is what I'd say. And boy, between the Ruby and the Hef. Hef's probably the lightest. Hef's probably the lightest because the Ruby's a pretty bold flavor, but it's not a big body. I would yeah. go I would go Hef, Ruby, Amber, Dead Guy, Black Bee Porter. Yeah, let's start, let's start with the Hef. So the Hef is, to me, it feels like the Hef is everyone's favorite beer. It's well, almost everyone's intro beer, it, for sure. Especially in this state. Mm-hmm. And you go to a place and, and you you bring someone who's not super keen on craft beer. Hey, do you have half on tap? Of course. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they'll get. It's a it's a very very easy introductory beer to craft beer drinkers. And it's become I mean it's become such a staple in this town in the sense like you go to any bar, any bar, literally anyone, literally any bar, and almost all of them have Widmer Hef on. And it's you know it's right there next to next to the Coors Light, next to the Bud Light, because it's the kind of beer that appeals to to all crowd all beer drinking crowds. I mean even even you know Tommy over there that only drinks Coors Light. You know, Tommy's going to take a sip of this beer and go, no, oh, that's not that bad, you know? And that's, I think, a testament to this beer and why this beer has lasted so long. Now, I will say this. I am anti the fruit in beer. I think this beer is citrusy enough that you do not need a lemon for this beer. Yeah. Um, however, uh, for a nostalgia factor, as we did at Throwback Thursday at Vesa, uh, they were serving it with lemons. It was it was, it was cute. It was fun. I mean, that's this is kind of what you do. I feel like... When you're just learning about beer, and this could be any type of beer, adding the orange or the lemon onto it, it kind of makes it a little bit more approachable for you. Mm-hmm. And because I, I remember always getting, you put like the little, uh, the, is it the orange in, in Corona? Uh, lime and Corona. Lime and Corona. Orange and Blue Moon. Blue Moon, and then lemon. Lemon in uh, the half. In the half. And I, I didn't have half, obviously, back where I grew up. So it was orange and blue moon was my go-to. Because I love orange right. juice. I love orange flavor. And I kind of... Orange is my favorite color. Me too. Nice. Go Syracuse. And um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I remember just liking blue moon in some ways because of the orange. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of was an easy way for me to be introduced to the beer. Now, nowadays, I would never do that. Because yeah. the beer should be able to stand up on its own. It shouldn't need anything added to it. Right. But it was it was nice to be able to, to be introduced that way. Yeah, and, and the Hef... I mean, the Hef, this is... We gotta, we gotta remember, this is the American version of a Hefeweizen, which yes. is a German wheat beer. Um, and the American... I mean, Widmer basically changed the game of how Americans make Hefeweizen, I would say. They made this... They started making this beer, what, 30 years ago? Well, and they claim it's the original American Hefeweizen, which... Yep. They're I, probably right. I have nothing to discount that, so... Um, it's the first ever hazy beer, quote-unquote, as they like to uh, <laughs> brag. I think it's... that. What, what do the billboards around town say? Hazy since 1989? Yep. Or something like that. Something like which, that. Which is a, a fun, cheeky little stab at, uh, you know... The haze craze the that's going around, trend. yeah, yeah, because it it is hazy. It is not a clear beer. Um, it it has it has body to it, and I think that's the point. Um, which I think is what's interesting. Why this beer is so appealing to introductory crowds to craft beer is that it's got a decent sized body to it. You know, it's got a full mouth feel, and uh, but I think you know the the citrus, the the lemon that that permeates from it. That's the on the nose of it, it's all lemon. Yeah. It's all citrus right away. Mm-hmm. And when you think of the original type of Hefeweizens, the, the actual German styles, you get a lot of banana. Mm-hmm. And even nowadays in some of the American style Hefeweizens, you're you're getting a lot of the banana. There is so little banana flavor in this beer. I think you can maybe get a hint of it, mm-hmm. but it's so reduced. And it's because that flavor is kind of... It's jarring when you yeah. first get it. So if this is supposed to be introductory, easy to drink, sessionable, go-to for non-craft beer drinkers, then you can't have that strong of a punch of a banana flavor. Right. So it's just citrusy. It's, it's, prob- it's probably yeast-driven in the German style, which is why you're getting a little of that banana estery. But, I mean, this beer has been completely Americanized. And I think to do that, you kind of have to dial back some of the complexity of this beer and just kind of be straightforward and say, I want a, I want a, a, a full-bodied wheat beer with some citrus flavors to it. Right, because it, it's very clearly not a lager or no. or a, a, 
I guess a classic American ale. Yeah. It's not like that at all. It's it's not as easy to drink as that. It's easy to drink for a full-bodied citrusy beer. It, it, it's, in my opinion, kind of a good introduction to IPAs, too, because it does have the very big citrus flavor. It kind of can be like, hey, look, there's also citrus IPAs, which will be a little stronger, but still have a similar flavor profile. Definitely. And it's got it's got a... It's got a little bit of a bite, too, mm-hmm. that I think is kind of masked by the citrus flavor, and that little bite is going to help you, I mean, just move along to any other beer. So that's uh, Woodmere's Half. Also, they've been proud uh, sponsors of the Timbers for many years, and that is, I'm assuming, helped grow their brand as well. Yeah, it doesn't hurt, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you see it at Timbers games all, all across the, the backsplash. It's like, Woodmere is the only beer of the Timbers, and that's they sell it, obviously. Everywhere in the stadium. Except for I buy beer at Double Post or Axe and Rose and don't drink Widmer. Is that, oh, you're saying in the in, in the, the stadium? stadium. Cool. Yeah. I've only been to two Timbers games, so not super familiar with all the uh, well, the extra stuff there. We're going to the playoffs. If you want to go, I'm probably going to go. That is true. The first game I ever went to was the playoffs a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. Vancouver game? No, with you. FC Dallas. Oh, it was Dallas. I couldn't remember if it was Vancouver Timbers or Timbers won 3-1. Great game. Then we won a cup. Yes. Go Timbers. <laughs> PTFC. Um, next beer. In the in the order here is the McMinniman's Ruby, which I was curious if Patrick was going to be able to find in a can or a bottle form, and we did find the bo- uh, the can, excuse yep. me, and it looks awesome. It really does. That's one thing about McMinniman's is they have a really cool style that they have stuck to in all of their restaurants. For those who don't know, who don't live in this area, McMinniman's has uh, 600 restaurants in Oregon, and they buy these old classic buildings that have really cool history or are haunted in some way or, or said to be haunted or whatever, and they make it into a restaurant. Some of them do tours. Some of them are hotels. Some of them do concerts. Uh, they all, Par 3 golf course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they all have the beer, and they all have restaurants attached to them, and... They're just really cool places. They're unique. Yeah, kind of like the Widmer brothers, the McMiniman brothers, we owe a lot to. I mean, these guys kind of paved the way for everybody. And what McMinimans did, which I still can't believe hasn't really caught on more than it more than really at all, is like you were saying, the venues. The venues that they have are absolutely incredible. And you just don't see that from anybody. It's almost like it's almost like in Oregon. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa sorry, McMinimans does that. I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes here. Um, That's probably right because they have like the little passport that you mm-hmm. can do, and they they mark off every single one that you've been to. They basically corner the market on having sweet venues to yeah. go hang out at. Yeah, absolutely. Multiple bars, you know, like like Edgefield, which is the big one out in East Portland. That you know, kind of that's on the your concert way out to venue. Mount Hood. Yeah, there's a concert venue there, a par three golf course. It's an old poor farm. So there's hotels, there's like seven bars and three restaurants in this place. I've been to one out in, um, I believe it was Forest Grove. It's like a creepy old hotel that they turned into a continuously creepy hotel yeah. with two bars in it. I forget which one that one is. I don't go to many McMinimans. It's not like my thing. I'm not traveling to all of them. But right. that was one that I went to that I thought was pretty cool as well. And they're all over the state of Oregon, and they even had start heading up north in Washington. Yeah. I think the furthest north one is in Olympia. Oh, there might be one in Seattle. But I know I've been to the one in Chehalis. The one in Chehalis is like cute little saloon style. Yeah, it's it's a really cool. But it's not just like that too. Like sometimes they just have one that's in a, a strip mall. Out by me, there's a couple that are just like in a strip mall, and it's just because they want to continue growing right. in all the in the areas. So when, it's all over the place. When was the last time you had a ruby? Last time I had a ruby was probably last year. Okay, because so, we went to. The McMinimans down by where we work over here, mm-hmm. and I believe I had when we went there. 
Oh, right. I like that little spot mm-hmm. on Macadam. Yep. I, I was wondering because I was quite surprised because it's been a long time since I had a ruby and I had one when I was at that event. I was quite surprised to see the color of it. I forgot that this thing is looks, for lack of better terms, like ruby red grapefruit. I was going to say it looks pink pouring yep. being poured out, Yep, which makes sense. I suppose, even though it's an amber ale. <laughs> <laughs> is it an amber ale? Is that's that what, what it's base supposed to be? That's what I always thought it was. I never knew what this beer was. I was just like, oh, it's ruby. Well, ruby red is what made me think it was an amber or a red. It's a raspberry ale is what they call it. Oh, okay. So very different. So maybe just a base ale with a bunch of raspberries in it. And and let me throw this out there then. That reminds me a bit of the Hef. Mm-hmm. It's a fruit-driven beer that's accessible to everybody that everybody can drink and try. Are we doing a fruit beer episode right now? No, because <laughs> the next three are not fruit beers. That is true. That is true. <laughs> we are starting uh, with the, some fruit beer episode, and maybe we can bring come back to these when we do a fruit beer episode. But yeah, you're right. The color is way different than I remember it being. Maybe because I was in a really dark room and drinking it and not looking at the color. Yeah, which can easily be done. Wow. It's so... It, it's so fruit driven. Um, it's pleasant. Um, it's not over the top. I think what's really nice about raspberries is raspberries do have a touch of sweetness to them, but they also got a little tartness to it. By no way would I say this is a sour beer by any way, shape, or form. But there is tartness. But the raspberries give you a nice little tartness that I think bode well with it's. It's almost like the hef in the sense that it's got this kind of prickly taste in it. Yep. That the sweetness and the tartness kind of round the whole thing out, and it's it's pleasant on the palate. This one smells a lot less raspberry than it tastes. Mm-hmm. It smells just kind of, it smells a little bit like raspberries. You get it in there. But when you take that sip, it's like, hello, I might as well be having a granola breakfast with some raspberries and some cream right now. When they first made this beer, I'm curious as to how many raspberries were harmed in the process of this. Because now I'm sure they just use a puree. But uh, boy, that's a lot of raspberries. This this does not taste like I remember it tasting. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it's the environment we're in and I'm paying more attention to it instead of just drinking it, but for some reason, I don't remember it being quite as fruity. Was this their original beer that they made? In the I think it's one of their core beers, yeah. I think Ruby, uh, the Hammerhead, and Terminator Stout, I believe those are their like three yeah. base beers that they started with. I mean, as, as, as long as I have been around beer, and I don't mean like drinking beer, but like Going out to places with my parents, like when I was in high school, we would go to McMinimins all the time because they were cool places to go. And I would see, as far as I know, so as far as 1997, when I moved to this region, Ruby has been available. And that, to me, counts as an OG. So even if it's not one of theirs originals, and you'll have to excuse our ignorance if if it's not or if it is, we're kind of shooting in the dark here, uh, this, this beer has always been around. And it is... Each sip is more and more fruity. I'm getting more and more residue of the raspberry. Like it's a lingering continuous growth. It's yes, it's this is a perfect summer beer. It's hot outside. You want some sweetness, you want some freshness, but you also want to drink a little bit. It's a perfect summer beer. Yeah. And it I think we're going to notice a trend here in all five of the ones we have, the classic OG beers. They're all just so dang easy to drink. Yep. I think that's the whole point, no, that no matter the style, the difference in styles, that they're all made to be, I don't know, We keep say, I keep saying this word, and I don't mean to sound repetitive, but it's just the best way I can describe it. It's approachable. It's appealing. Um, it's accessible. It's not, um, 
And this it's one not threatening. And I think you were right in the first place. This one hits the palate less hard than the Hef. Yeah. This would have been, if we were doing the taster tray, if, if we could redo it, I think we would start with this one. Yeah. Because even though this is stronger in the fruit flavor, it comes down a lot easier. Yeah. This one, it, it, it hits you with the citrus and the and the heavier flavor of a beer, and this one's very smooth minus the raspberry flavor. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that's one, and this this is, it's kind of a a bit of a a weird thing for me for having lived here as long as I have. I really haven't done McMinimins that much. Oh, really? I haven't. I've, I've gone over the course of my, what is it now, seven years here, I've probably gone to McMinimins like maybe seven to ten times. And maybe that sounds like a lot to people, but to me, with how many they have, it doesn't seem like that much to me. I've never been to Edgefield. Wow. I've never been to the, the what's the school one? Kennedy. Kennedy School. I've never been to that one. I, I've i been to this one in an old church in Wilsonville. I went and met some people there once. Yeah. That's a newer one. Uh, I've went to the Barleycorns and Tigard a couple times. Uh, I've been to the one in Forest Grove I was talking about. For and, someone who says they haven't been a lot, you sure have been to a lot of them. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, though, is maybe maybe to some people that sounds like a lot, but for the sheer amount of locations they have, I feel like as someone who likes craft beer and just who has explored the area since I've moved here, I yeah. probably should have gone a couple more times. I would say... I've also gone to the one in Hillsboro, Cornelius Pass. I would say again, we meet people there. It's like a meeting right. place. I haven't gone out of my own. Well, it's an easy, will. it's an easy place. You can take anybody there. You know what I mean? Like you can take anybody there. You know, no one's ever going to be offended. They they've got wine, they've got liquor, they've got you know, so they got everything you need. They have great homemade liquor, by the way. Yeah, their their really, spirit really program good. is really nice, really good. Um, it, this is probably just because I grew up in this area, but Portland proper. I don't think there's a McMinimins I haven't been to at least five times. Right. Um, I live right by the Chapel Pub on Killingsworth, uh, which is which is a super cool spot. Um, and then down the road a little bit further is is the Kennedy School. I've I've I married two of my really good friends at the Kennedy School. Um, I've seen movies there, stayed there. Um, Baghdad. I mean, my parents used that. You know, that was a Friday night. We're gonna go see a movie at the Baghdad. And that's still a classic thing for me to do sometimes because they'll do a Sunday night 1030 showing and I've got no problem catching a movie on a Sunday 1030 by myself and uh, go go to the Baghdad and Edgefield. I've probably seen 20 concerts out there easily. And I'm trying to think of some other ones. I recently hit a new one in Eugene right next to Autzen Stadium. Um, it was like one in the morning, and of course I needed one last beer, and uh, so we so we rolled into McMinimins because it was close. Yeah, I think it's you grow up in this in in this region, especially in 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 Portland or or the greater Portland area, that there's just no way. You know, I've been here for over twenty years, and and there's it, it'd be impossible to have never gone to McMinimins and lived here for twenty years. Well, let I'm alone fifteen different ones. I'm sure it's possible. Yeah, but. That person That's not doesn't fun. get out very much. Yeah, no. that person's that person's life sucks. I'll just go <laughs> ahead and say it. <laughs> All right, let's move on out of the fruit beer realm that we have been in, and let's move on to the Full Sail Amber. Here we go. Full Sail, uh, located in the gorgeous Hood River in the Columbia River Gorge. Um, <laughs> uh, full Was that intentional, I hope? Uh, no, it wasn't at mm. all. I'm just smooth like that. Mm. Um, full Sail, probably... One of the first craft breweries I came across, I would say, outside of Widmer. I think I think Widmer, Full Sail, 
Georgetown, <laughs> as random as that is, even though I, I grew up here. You um, still love Georgetown. You still to this I day love I still to this Georgetown. day drink Georgetown. That's the Coogan me. That That's the Wazoo in me. We well, just drank a ton of Georgetown in Pullman. Well, and frankly, I mean, for someone who moved here fairly recently, I still always go back to Deschutes. Mm-hmm. Even though now I've learned all these other breweries and there's all these other places that are are special and great. I was at Deschutes last night for I a hot second. S- I still love going back to Deschutes and getting yeah. their beer because yeah. they make great stuff there. I think that's the whole point of this of this episode, this podcast that we're doing today is is to just, hey guys, don't forget. You know, we touched on this on the first episode. If you want to go back and listen to that, I mean, I might go back and listen to that. I kind of forget some stuff we talked about. <laughs> but in that culture, history kind of thing, these are why we're here. These beers, these breweries are why we're here. And we owe a lot to them. Whether you care for their beer, don't care for their beer, like what they're doing now, miss the old days, hate the old days, love the new days, uh, we're not here without these guys. So I notice both of us are pouring slightly more and more every beer we go on. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We we started off with literally like maybe one sixteenth of this glass for the Widmer. And then the Ruby went up to like one twelfth. And now we're at like one eighth. Yeah. Of the of the amber, I'm just gonna pour a little more. He's <laughs> gonna dive in. Oh, well, it's almost half the glass there, buddy. Mm, well, I do you. have to go work at a brewery later today. Oh so. no, I know. <laughs> All right, so full sail amber. This is also one of the first ambers I ever tried when I uh, when I came out here, and I think the first one. I ever tried was Mac and Jack's. Yep. And uh, that was a classic. Obviously, that's an OG, not from Oregon, from Washington, but it's an OG amber beer in the Northwest. But this was the first Oregon amber I ever tried. PSA, real quick the brewery is, I'm not correcting you. I just want those out there to know this. The brewery is called Mac and Jack's. The beer is African amber. Yes. Because Mac and Jack's does make other beers, believe it or not. And I, I'm guilty of that. I call it Mac and Jack's amber. It's all right. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's like saying Widmer Hef, but it's just like, that's like saying, I'll have a Widmer, and every Widmer ever made is the Hef. Right, exactly. Which is just not true. Well, that's because Mac and Jack's doesn't, as far as I have seen... They don't package. They don't package or give anything but but their amber. I'm, I'm one of the few people that have actually had like five different Mac and Jack's beers. Yeah, because you've like gone? Win- no, no, I haven't been up there, but they did like a tap takeover once in Pullman, and I was uh, like, whoa, what is that? Serengeti wheat? That doesn't make any sense. Two-ton IPA? That doesn't make any <laughs> sense either, but I'll try them. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have had the Serengeti wheat from them, too. There you go. I've had two. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting, because now now we're going from super fruity to being a now super in, malt-based amber ale here. Now we're in what I like to call beer. This is, this is beer. Much darker color, although much clearer than the first two. Mm-hmm. Both the ruby and the hef were very hazy in color. This one you can see through. It, it looks almost a little darker than what I'm used to seeing with ambers. It could just be know, the room that me? we're in. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It, it does look more like uh, looks more like a brown ale mm-hmm. in, in the glass that we're in right now than an amber. A scotch ale too, maybe? Yep. Like a light scotch ale? Oh, wow. That's smooth. Very easy drinking. Yeah. Again, approachable. It's we'll just, just like... Let's open. just hammer it in. Yeah. Approachable. Yep. Approachable! Um, That's just down the gullet. There's really no no smell to this, no nose to this that's discernible to me. It's yeah, just... I, 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 get, I, I think I'm just smelling malt um, and a very light, caramely kind of touch of malt. I actually don't find this that sweet, which is kind of nice. You know, I think sometimes what steers me away from amber, the style... Is that some of them are just a little too sweet for me? Well, and on, and on the uh, glass it says "ridiculously tasty." Oregon's <laughs> original amber is is what they what they say on the yeah. glass. Um, 
You're right. It's very smooth. It's not very sweet. It has a little sweetness at the end of it. The back end of the taste is, it's kind of got that, for lack of a better term, don't take this as negative. It's the clawing sweetness. Mm. And it's just, it like sticks yep. on your tongue. Kind of hold, kind of holds on. It leaves, it leaves an everlasting flavor. Yep. Um, this beer is a great representative of my palate. Um, I really love the way this beer finishes. It just finishes really clean, really smooth. Um, and that's my favorite part of my palate is the finish is the back end. Um, that's probably why I like IPA so much because a well-crafted IPA is going to uh, have a very nice lingering effect. Have any of these three that we've done so far been different than you remembered it when you first drank it? Like, do you think they've tweaked the recipes at all? Or are these- I'm sure. I'm sure they've been tweaked here and there, especially, I mean, I'll bet you... Again, I don't mean to throw shade in anybody, but I guarantee you this Widmer Hef, uh, since they have been CBA, uh, has probably found ways to make it cheaper. Um, I would argue with that. Um, that's just kind of what big beer does to beer. Um, so I imagine that outside, I mean, I I would like to think the Ruby and, and the Amber have both been tweaked here and there, but I'll bet you the core recipe is pretty damn similar. Because it's changing flavors and palates, because we've talked about this before. I can't remember what episode it was, but it might have been might have been the West Coast IPA episode. It might have been a different one. People's palates are changing, mm-hmm. and that is leading to people changing their recipes because they follow the people. The people right. demand the change by what they're drinking. Correct. They force the change by what they're drinking. So, but you have a ruby raspberry ale, and you have a full sale amber, which are styles that are not very common anymore. Mm-mm. And you still have them, and they still sell well, and they're still the classic go-tos. They're still the OGs. You have to keep that integrity there, too. So to me, I feel like the tweaks can't be that massive. I think so, too. I mean, I think I think when you have a beer that is as established as some of these, you have such diehard, faithful supporters of that beer that if you tweak it too much, they're going to run away. I've seen it with beers. I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. Ooh, ooh. Early total domination was awesome. It was during the. Uh, it was during. Oh, I should have grabbed a total dom. Uh, That's Ninkasi, by yeah, the way. It was. Uh, it was during the uh, the IBU wars, the space race, as Conrad, as our friend Conrad likes to call it, of how bitter can you make this IPA, and they accomplished that, and I really, really enjoyed it. And then these days, because production is scaled up so much, I find it a little more maltier than it used to be. You should have told me I have some in the fridge right now, and, actually. And that kind of turned me off from it. So I think it's it. You have to be careful whether you're making Coors Light. Like people drink Coors Light over Bud Light for a reason, and if you tweak that Coors Light too much. Because it's brewed, brewed cold, Patrick. <laughs> if you if you tweak that Coors Light too much, you might lose that Coors Light also drinker. Also canned cold. And they might go to Bud Light instead. I hate you. <laughs> cold. Um, the one flavor, this is going to sound maybe idiotic, so bear with me. It's not a flavor. It was a sense. It, it, it felt more bubbly on my palate, this beer. It felt like, and I know that it's carbonated. Of course, there's bubbles right. in beer, Mike, you idiot. But... It felt when it was sitting on my tongue more like it was just resonating there. I don't know what that was. It's something in this beer that I have not gotten with the first two. It's just it just kind of sat there in kind of a bubbly mat. It was like frothing. Well, that sound I know that's I know it sounds stupid, but it that's just the, what I was getting in the middle there. I don't think it sounds stupid. I think this is the first beer of the five that were that were revisiting that okay, this might sound stupid. This is the first beer we're revisiting of these five that tastes like craft beer. 
Does that make sense? And I think it's yeah. because the other two are so fruit and citrus driven that it's almost like they kind of have a way of masking that this is craft beer to where this, you can't get away from the fact that this is craft beer. I can put a Ruby or a Widmer Hef in a Coors Light drinker's hand and they'll be like, oh, that's not bad. The, the Amber, going to be a tougher sell. Going to be a way tougher sell. Although I think you might have some tough time with the Ruby because it's so raspberry. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would argue, easy. I would argue, argue that they might go to the Ruby before they go to the Amber. They might, yeah. Because the Amber might. is beer. Yes. Craft beer. Indeed. Craft beer. Uh, any other thoughts on this one? I The one thing that's interesting to me about Full Sail is, and I've been to their place a couple times now in, in Hood River, and obviously they, they package all over the place in Oregon, is I haven't seen them in the bottling area put too many experimental beers that I've found. It seems like it's a lot of their core. When I went to Full Sail, they have a ton of really crazy interesting beers. Mm -hmm. Some really good ones, too. I, I had a great dark beer there the other time I went. Like a super delicious bourbon barrel aged stout that was like out of this world good. I was I was shocked at how good it was. But I don't see a lot of on tap or in bottles in Portland at, at least of full sales other than their their common go-tos. Well, I think this could be this could be a, a fun topic to discuss in a future podcast when it comes to just packaging. Um I think you have to be careful not to put too many options from one brewery on the shelf cuz things will get lost in the shuffle. And um, I think also when you're a destination like Hood River, it it might be a little scary to try to send some of that small batch small batch stuff into town. Like give people a reason to drive out to Hood River, right? And that might be the reason. You know, oh, I can get you know Full Sail also makes all those session beers, um, so keep that in mind as right, well. The so brand like, session, the brand session, yeah. So they so they do have that diversity as well. Um, but yeah, I think with the three or four different sessions they make, and then they've got uh, like a, a lager, an IPA, the Amber, Wassail, and they do wreck the halls during the holidays, and I'm sure there's something else I'm forgetting. I don't see Wassail bottled that much either, though. Oh, really? I see yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that one. It's just, it's I, I have not found that too often. I see it around. That I think, you know, that's that's our core brand of packaging, and uh, if you want any small batch stuff, you gotta come to us. That's interesting, and that could be a whole other episode, I agree, and I'll I'll, I'll write that down, but... Because uh, cause to me, as someone who consumes beer at home a lot and buys at a supermarket or buys at a New Seasons or whatever, I would adore if I could get some more small batch stuff. Well, that's everyone would. But I that, want small batch stuff. Right. But that, that's, that's why everyone should have a crawler machine. That's an interesting conversation. So we can save that for sure. But that, that's a, a that's an interesting thought that you just threw in my head there. Yeah. And so we'll move on into what I think is probably one of the craziest accomplishments any brewery has done in this town, and that is convince people to buy this IPA that is nowhere anything near an IPA, and that is Rogue's Dead Guy. But they don't even sell it as an IPA, right? No, it's just but Dead Guy Ale. It's just Dead Guy Ale, but somehow in their marketing, in the way they launched this beer, it like stuck on us IPA drinkers. It was like, hey, you want an IPA? And I'm like, yeah, uh, I'll have a dead guy. <laughs> and it's like, it's clearly not an IPA, but somehow they market it. And maybe it wasn't just IPA people. They marketed it so well to, do you like craft beer? This is the craft beer. It'll pay no attention to the fact that it's a Maybach. You know, I'm, I'm, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about that. Because <laughs> yeah. you're like, what's a Maybach? It's nothing. It's a dead guy. Here, have a dead guy. Yeah. IPA yeah. hops. <laughs> um, the, I think the craziest thing 
And Rogue was one of the first breweries I went to as well. There, they had when I when I first lived downtown, they had a secondary location that was near PSU, Portland State University. Oh like yeah, a, I know like the a, spot. a little small bar that was right near where we lived. It's like a campus bar almost. It is. Yeah, and that was one of the first places we went after Deschutes. So the my first experience there is I tried this one because this was their their main go to. But I also was talking to the to the waiter, the server, and they said, oh, just order a Snickers. And a Snickers Uh-oh. was the hazelnut mixed with the chocolate porter. And the hazelnut brown mixed with the chocolate porter. And it was delicious. And now they bottle it. Oh, do as they? hazelnutly delicious. They, they made it its own beer. And they mix it itself. It is so good. And it, I don't drink a lot of Rogue anymore. So when I still see that on the shelf, I'm like, yup, getting this one. Because it, it also reminds me of when I first moved here, like when yeah. I first was spending time with my now wife and we would go to Rogue and I got this thing called the Snickers and they were like, oh, you're an insider, you know. I felt really cool about it. That's that's how it was back in the day with McMinimins. You know, if you rolled in and ordered a Rubinator or a Tomahawk, you know. They're not on the menu. Tomahawk is now on the menu, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, is it? I think I've seen it, yeah. Oh, cool. Good for them. Uh, but yeah, it, that that's kind of that's an old school testament. If you know the Snickers or if you know the Rubinator, that means uh, you've been around for a little bit or you're in the know. That was a very nice server to tell you the secret. The other thing, too. It's like animal style. you got to figure it out on your own. Exactly. How many times do you eat In-N-Out Burger before you realize there's a hidden menu? Well, Sometimes you got to learn on your own. I think everybody now knows there's a hidden menu because Well, yeah, it's but I mean, like, when I was six, I didn't know. Then True. I was eight, and I was like, Dad, what's that on yours? And he was like, I don't know. You'll have to ask next time. <laughs> and I was like, but we don't live in California. He was like, better not forget. That sucks to suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, too, and this is because I, I grew up in, in the East Coast, Rogue is the largest Oregon brewery that has spread across the country, I think. Or really? at least the most known that has spread across the entire country. Really? I'll, More yes. so than Widmer or Deschutes? Yes. Wow. Um, my... My parents now in New Jersey, it's a little bit tougher. It has very weird liquor and beer laws. Oh, yeah, you can't buy beer on Sundays. That's not true. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just thought it was like backwoods stuff. I don't know. No, although in the county I grew up on, all stores were closed on Sundays. It was called the Blue Laws. Jeez. But I digress. Um, Sunday's my drinking day. <laughs> well, you could drink plenty at home. You're just not going to the stores. Restaurants were open, though. Um, they would go to Total Wines mm-hmm. and they would look because they have a ton of beer selection there. Right. They could only find two Oregon beers, and one of them was Rogue, and the other's Widmer for sure. Yeah, uh, they have to go to Deschutes or to Pennsylvania to get. Deschutes. Oh, I remember. Yeah, your mom would drive to Pennsylvania to find uh, Black Butte. Black Butte. Because my your old dad man. loves Black Butte. Yeah. yeah, and Rogue is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. No, I don't think people know it's an Oregon beer either. I think they just know Rogue is a is a brewery. Yeah, and to that, you, you're talking about their marketing of this being an IPA. They must have genius marketing team in general. Yep. All across the board, because they have spread across the country. People know what Rogue is, but Rogue started as a small brewery on the Oregon coast. Yeah. And now it's gigantic. Yeah. That's that's a testament to them. Have you ever been out to their place in Newport? I have not. Um, I think one thing that's, yeah, so I mean, I'm, you know, raised in this area and been here for a long time and born and raised in the Northwest. Rogue has always been a staple. Uh, what Rogue does, Rogue is doing some really cool things these days. Um, Rogue is Rogue has a series of IPAs that they make that uh, is I believe it's called Farm to Fresh, Farm to Fresh I think is what it's called, and uh, it's 
using all ingredients that they have grown on their land, including all the hops, the malts. I think that is something so cool. They have that not many that I don't know anybody else in this country doing that. And they don't they don't just do beer farming either. Like they have cheese. They've got mm-hmm. Rome far. They've got Rogue Farm like blue cheese. Welcome to our second brewery that makes liquor. Yeah. You know, they do a ton of spirits, and I've had some I've had some really great gin that these guys make, and I know if not everybody's a big gin fan, but I'm a big gin fan. I hate gin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and I think I think that's a really cool aspect, that Rogue kind of took that on and decided, hey, why don't we just do this ourselves? And I think that's really rad. I think it's cool. I'm curious, and the, this is a totally different conversation than the beer. Is there a sense, I kind of get this, and I want to see if you if you agree, that people don't want to go to Rogue because it's so OG. They're like, ah, it's been around forever. Why do I go to Rogue? Well, yeah, I think I think every I think every brewery that's sitting on this table right now suffers from that. And I think <clears throat> not to not to harp on you know the kids these days, but I mean that's just the trend in society right now. Is everybody wants instant stimulation, instant gratification, and you know I think a lot of these places still survive and do really well because of tourism. And I think those people coming to town, it's like, like your dad, you know, I've been, my, my wife's been driving to Pennsylvania to get this beer and I'm in Portland and gosh darn it, there's no one stopping me. I'm going to the shoots. You know, I still think they have that going for them. Not to mention those guys down there make great beer and have great food and great atmosphere. Hi dad. I know you don't sound like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I think, I think there's an aspect for all of these breweries on the table. You know, it's like, it's like if you say to me, Hey, do you want to go to the McMinimins down the road? And I'm like, why? The new bear lick is just down the street. You know, it's, I think people want that, you know, do you want to go, you want to go to Deschutes downtown? And it's like, no, I'd rather go to Von Ebert, you know, it's things like that. I think everybody is constantly looking for what's new, what's trendy. Give me something different. Give me something innovative. Um, You could just go to all of them in the span of five days, you know, that is true. But at the same time, all of these places are still open. Yep. And all of these places are still doing very, very well for themselves. So I think and at least four of these on the table, I'm going to discount McMinimins, are all being sold across the country. Yes. Full Sail is everywhere. Deschutes is most places. Rogue is everywhere. Widmer is everywhere. Yep. All these beers are everywhere. You can only buy uh, McMinimins product at McMinimins. Um, you can't even buy kegs from them. Like, you will never see McMinimins beer on tap at another bar. Right. Sarah, who owns Cerveza, if you haven't heard the podcast with Sarah, go back and listen to that one. That's one of the best ones we've done. Um, she basically called up McMinimins and was kind of like, hey, what do I got to do to get a keg of ruby for this event? And they were like, ah, sorry, we don't distribute. And she was like, well, this is the event I'm doing. How do I get this keg? And they were just like, really? You, you, you want us to be a part of this? And she was like, heck yeah, why wouldn't I? And... The guy walked in with the keg and he was like, I've n- I don't know how this works. I've never delivered a keg anywhere but one of our pubs. What, what, what do I do with this? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you're right. Everything here you can find across the country except for McMinimins. This one is an interesting beer to me. I like this beer a lot. The, I feel like this style is kind of nearing my style of beer, darker beer, a little mm-hmm. bit more flavorful. It's tough for me to kind of distinguish flavors and smells on this one, though. Maybe... It, I'll rely on you. I'll lean on you for this one because to me, it's just so dang unique mm-hmm. of a smell and a taste. I don't know what to compare it to. I don't know what flavor to compare it to. I don't know what other beers are like this that I've had. It It's a dead guy. I know I'm drinking a dead guy and that's, I think that's what makes this, I mean, you all of these, you know what you're drinking. Right. But this one in particular for me, I know I'm drinking a dead guy. I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. This is such a distinct beer um, and maybe that's 
why it's been so successful is because it is its own beer. I mean, it's not even really a traditional Maybach, but it's it's it it's based on that style and it's created its own thing. I get I get I get fruitiness out of it, but I get this this bittering aspect as well. You know, I get some caramel uh sweetness but then like the fruit adds a little of its own fruit bitterness and then the hops come in on the back end and smooth it all out it's well and if i can borrow a term from last week that you introduced to me there's a little bit of a breadiness at the end too yeah definitely definitely and that's that's your european style coming through um that's that's probably a, a little yeast driven from that as well and some of your malt driven and i mean controversial statement I remember, you know, not to harp on the, my drunken night of, of Throwback Thursday, but when Badger and I got done, um, we, we didn't count Sierra Nevada Pale Ale because we felt we were biased because, you know, we've all been <laughs> drinking that forever. And welcome to the 14th episode where we've mentioned Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale. 14 um, times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we didn't count that. We looked at the table and after we tried every single beer, and I will say it again as I'm tasting all these beers, this is the best beer on the table. So far, yeah. I don't think so far. I think this is the best beer on the well, table. Remember, I understand. I have a very, very large bias towards Old Reliable down at the end here. Right? I, we I, tried I understand that, but this is great. But my, and I don't. I, it, it kind of makes me want to buy Dead Guy again because mm-hmm. every time I see it on the shelf, I'm like, "Yeah, but what else? What just got released?" And like again, supermarket. So S- suburban Mike over here going to Albertsons, and I'm saying, "What am I going to try?" And I go see that. Oh. Slayer is out from Ninkasi. It just came out. I got to get Slayer. I see Dead Guy. Eh, Slayer's yeah. out. You know, or something else is out by another brewery that I that I haven't seen before. Or Deschutes just put out their Hopsit, and I'm like, oh, got got to get a Hopsit. Dead Guy. Eh, next time. I've never purchased a six pack of Dead Guy, and this is making me remember. Go purchase a six pack, you idiot. Oh man, dude, I used to get growler fills of Dead Guy. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go down there and get growler fills. Well, they used to. I don't know if they still do this. It's been a long time since I've been at Rogue, but. uh you used to be able. You were part of the uh, join the revolution. You were part of the rogue, rogue member club or rogue something nation like or rogue something. nation. Yeah, and uh, you go in on your birthday and you get a free pint and uh, like a free piece of swag. And I'll never forget. I went in. I think it was my twenty second birthday, and I went in with my mom and I got this hat and I got a free beer and. A Damn right, I ordered a dead guy. <laughs> Bartender walked up and she was like, "What can I get you?" And I was like, "It's my birthday. I want a dead guy." She was like. I'm I'm well too. Thanks for asking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it, it's a funny thing. Badger and I were were sitting there around the table, and we got to the end, and we just looked at it, and you know, it's all these beers plus uh, LCD from Lompoc, Kawanda Cream Ale from Pelican, which is a great beer. I almost grabbed that as well, but I thought five was enough. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, what else? Bridgeport IPA was on there. And Sierra Nevada, and I think there was something else that I'm just not remembering. But we looked, and we were not shocked, not surprised, but it was it was a pretty cool revelation that we both were kind of like, "What's the best beer on this table?" And we were leaning Ruby, to be honest. And I don't know if that was just the booze talking and the and the sweet easy drinking of mm. it, you know. But uh, but we were. It was like, okay, you ready? What's your favorite one? One. Two, three, dead guy, dead guy. And it was like, oh, wow. We were both surprised how much we really, really enjoyed this beer. And if I you, think it's because we don't drink it a whole lot. Well, yeah. And I was going to say, if any of you guys listening out there are are like us and, and tend to skip the old reliables here, the OGs, try yourself a dead guy again. Yeah. This is better than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a great beer. Yeah. It, it is. It's a fantastic beer. It is. And, and I it, think it gets a bad rap because people don't go to Rogue like they should because they want to try the new things. Yeah. 
Absolutely. All right. Finish that. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got one more left. I'm pouring too much beer. I know you are. You keep growing your glasses over there. You're going you're gonna to wind up pouring the entire bottle into your glass for this last one. No, I'm not. So this, for me, is my go-to. I will pour the most out of this one because I love this beer. Um, it's the Deschutes Blackview Porter. It is their staple beer, their flagship beer is the correct term. And it is one of the only breweries here in the state that I have gone to that their flagship is a dark beer. Mm-hmm. Usually the flagship is a light beer. Usually. It gets people in the door more. Deschutes' flagship is the Blackview Porter, and it always has been. And There's a little mirror pond love in there, but you're right. It's, right, but it's this, Blackview Porter. This is the flagship. It's the beer. Everyone has a core group. Yeah, yeah. But the ones we've pulled here are the flagship beers for all these places. Oh. Right? I mean, Widmer have for sure, Dead Guy for sure, Black Butte for sure. Is the Amber? Would you, I, yeah, you I would think say so. so yeah. Okay. Um, and then I, maybe maybe not with Ruby, but... Yeah, I think Ruby's tough just because they only recently started packaging. Because you could argue you could argue Hammerhead. Yeah. The Hammerhead Pale Ale. But yeah, yeah. This is 100% this. When I think of Deschutes, I mean, I tend to lean towards Mirapon as a drinker. Excuse me. Too much beer. But... Uh, that's a lie. Never too much beer. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I would, Never I would, enough. I would drink a mirror palm before I drank a black butte porter. But that's because that's my palate. But you are spot on, Mike. This is Deschutes, Descahoots, as I like to call them, or Deschutes, as we've also called them. Um, when you smell this, you instantly get kind of the roasted, roasty notes. It's like oh, a yeah. ch- coffee, chocolatey, roasty oh, smell yeah. right away. And what's funny about this, and I've been drinking. Blackview Porter every year since I've been here, start to finish constantly. I do think Blackview Porter has changed slightly from when I first tried it. Oh, really? I don't drink it enough to know, so you would know that before I do. It, it Approachable! <laughs> it is way more approachable than it used to be to, I think, the average beer drinker. Because you're right. If you're going in, going in and you're leaning towards a mirror pond because you like pale ales and you don't like dark beers as much, this is going to be really strong, flavorful beer. Mm-hmm. This bottle here and, and what I'm trying right now, this is, it, it almost, again, if, if this sounds stupid, apologies. It almost feels lagery. It's it's a dark beer with roasty notes, but the it's so smooth and it doesn't leave like the sticky chocolatey taste that you get in some stouts, which I love, but some people don't. It, it, it It's almost lagery in, in its base. I think that's the miracle of the porter is the porter is an ale- basically trying to be a logger you know it's like but i want to be a real boy but some porters are very strong flavored in peanut butter or chocolate right but and I, this one is so even bodied well i guess i guess what i'm attesting to i mean you drink a lot more porters than i do i mean i rarely if ever drink porters i'd lean more towards the stout before i did a porter um but i think porters are notoriously known for having that lighter body which is what you're thinking about in the logger i'm not talking flavor profile i just mean smooth and light and easy drinking like a lager would be right is going to be where where a porter is and i think that's why this beer has been so successful is because it is a lighter bodied beer with very robust flavors does that make sense it does make sense like you can have a ton of flavors without being super heavy and we've talked about this before when we did you know 
when we were talking about in previous podcasts about, you know, introducing people to craft beer. What was that? Was that like our third or fourth episode? Something I think that like was that? episode four. Episode four was yes. one of the early ones. Man, I should really go back and listen to some of these. Because I think we did Culture, West Coast IPA, Stormbreaker, Introducing Beer. Man, doesn't that feel like forever ago? Yes. Yeah, cool. It's only episode 14. Yeah, that is rad. <laughs> um, but I think, but but because this body, is, because this beer has a lighter body, but still has complex flavors, we talked about this. How many people, when they get into beer, they go one of two ways. They go Widmer Hefeweizen, or they go Black Butte Porter. Yeah. And it's so wild, because they're so different. And then us idiots are in the middle there just like, give me hops and hot sauce and just wreck my palate as hard as you can, you know, um, to where... Hell, you did that yesterday. Burn my palate with habaneros. Give them to me. I know. It didn't really do the trick either. I oh. like it in sauce form. No. Like, who just wants to eat raw habaneros? Well, then why would you lie to her? Or, uh, she was habaneros. like, was that good for you? You were like, absolutely. Because I work in this biz. I'm not a jerk to servers. <laughs> you jerk. I'm kidding. I would have done the same thing. Plus, I'm trying to impress the boss, man. Duh. Mm, duh. Um, and he was listening. Yeah. He doesn't care. <laughs> and, uh, I think that that's what, that's why the Porter, that's why this dark beer can be so accessible to those people because it's not thick. It's not heavy. You're not just like, Oh God, I drank two black view porters and you're gonna have to wheel me out in a wheelbarrow. And it's like, no, no, no. It, it, it's not overfilling, but it has a complexity of flavors to it. There's, I mean, you know how many women I know drink Black Butte Porter? It's crazy. Yeah. It's it's astonishing how much this beer appeals to that side, that demographic of introductory craft beer drinkers. To me, this is a this is the most complex beer that we've had along this table so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um there there oh, are, yeah. there are so many flavors that hit your palate right as it starts that it's sweet. It's caramely. It's easy to go down. It's nutty. It's roasty. It's nutty. It's a little chocolatey. It, it's and it's all at once. It's not because some beers that we've had on beer of the week have been like, oh, I taste this now, mm-hmm. and I taste this now. Oh, and there's that. This is just like this is really good. And then at the end, you're like, oh, well, there's some sweetness. It almost all like kind of goes down smooth and then hits your palate and, and the back end with all the flavors. Yeah, it's a great beer. All of these are great beers. I'm very, very happy we did this. Me too. I, I when I, when I mentioned it as an idea, I was like, I know we kind of did this a little bit. This is way better than I thought it was going to be too. Well, yeah, because I was like, I'll just go grab five OG beers and we'll just drink and talk about them the whole time. <laughs> of course, that was a good idea. Well, I know, but I, even even when you said that, Who's I was like, man? Who's the man? You Who's are. Who's the man? You are. But. Um, <laughs> the even when we put these down on the table, I was like. Yeah, I, I like all these beers. How's this going to go? Way better than I thought. I know. I, um, Sarah, if you're listening to this, I know I've told you this in person. Please do that event again, and you will get um, of the 400 consistent subscribers or however many people we got listening to this stupid little podcast. We'll all be there. And hell, we'll do a podcast live from your place if you do this again next year. Yeah, if you're listening, I will come and drink an entire pint of each. It is so... And need to be carried... On top of my car home by my wife, but I'll be okay. It is so fun to just forget all the BS, step away from your biases, get out of your comfort zone, and get back to the basics. Because like we've said time and time again on this on this podcast, there is a reason these beers are still here. If you would have told me when I was younger, 
that I could get this cool, sexy, black matte can of dead guy, I would have called you a liar. And they were like, hey, these these 22s aren't doing it for us anymore. Let's go to 12-ounce cans. And it's like, whoa, game changer here. Yeah. And it's still doing well. And there's a reason these breweries are still in business. Well, here's your OG beers right there. As a reminder, Widmer Hef, Ruby Red from McMinimins, Full Sail Amber, the Dead Guy from Rogue, and Blackbeard Porter from Deschutes. Delicious. Remind yourself why they're the OG beers, because I know you're ignoring them. I know you are. And there's a couple more out there, too. I see But you. we chose these. I can see you not not drinking these beers. Do Ditto. it. Do it. All right. Remember, uh, subscribe, rate, and review. We really, really appreciate it on Radio.com and iTunes and on Google Play. And to let us know on social media what your OG beers were, what ones we may have missed that you're kind of upset about, or what you like of the five that we tried today. At Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter for me. Patrick's at P Diddy 085 on Instagram. Coming up next, it's our Beer of the Week. More beer to drink, but it's not these five. Trust me. Uh, that's next here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Beer of the week time here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Just got done sampling the OG beers and feeling it already. I barely had anything to eat today, so even just sipping all five of those beers, I'm like, hi, it's a work day. Who cares? Thank God Beer of the Week is a style that is near and dear to my heart, because I'll tell you what, this palate needs some hops. (laughs) And it is hoppy. These malts are killing me right now. So... That's interesting, too. Yeah, you're yeah. right. That's why I didn't get the Bridgeport IPA. I was going to grab Bridgeport IPA, but I was like, oh, beer of the week's an IPA. Three straight uh, malt-driven beers at the end there. The beer of the week this week is our second from this brewery. It is the Ex Novo Bang on the Drum IPA, which you are saying is made specifically for our good friends at Cerveza. Yep, yep. yep. I guess we're just a free commercial for Cerveza on this podcast, but uh, I came across this because my buddy Todd, who works up there, um, told me that this IPA is very much up my alley. Um, Cerveza just celebrated their 10th anniversary, and so they did a bunch of collabs with uh, different breweries of all different types of styles that basically filled in Filled in the tap lines for them. They threw a big party last Saturday. I unfortunately couldn't go because I was in Pullman, but go Cougs. Um, but this is a, a beer that uh, I believe some of the employees went to Ex Novo and helped brew with them. Um, and they call it Bang on the Drum because I guess it's a song. It's a, a Todd Rundgren song that they play during Packer games at some point. I don't want to work. I just want to bang on the drum all day. Oh, yeah. Something okay. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they named it that. Is this only available at Cerveza? No, I've seen it all over town. That's even cooler. That's the coolest part about it. I think this is the only beer that was made for uh, their party that uh, is all over town. Because I've seen a lot of these beers that are... um specifically made for a certain place or or whatever and you only find it at that place yeah at that place or the brewery that made it no no i was i stopped at the mcminimins bottle shop on 23rd to pick up that can of ruby and uh, i saw it there and uh where else was i i was at bridgetown beer house last night for a hot second and uh, i saw someone walk out saw my buddy colin walk out with a four a four pack as well um it's an ipa uh citra hop um 6.2 
yeah. It doesn't it's, give it's an orange can with you know the the deer and the star. Uh, it's it's very much an homage to to the kids over at Vesa. It doesn't have an explanation of the flavors of the beer. Smells like an ex novo beer. I, <laughs> Isn't that weird to say? Well, we've we've said it now with multiple breweries. Yeah. It's, it tastes like a double mountain beer. We did that in the in the Hood River one. I one thing I do like, and I, and I'm sad when they don't do it. Is I like when they give you a little descriptor of the flavors. Yeah, me too. Because as someone who's still learning his palate, it's like give me a little help because I'm still looking to find out what these flavors are. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's also sometimes fun to try to test yourself, push yourself on that. Oh, no, for sure. I I, I just appreciate when they put it on there because sometimes I don't taste the flavors they put on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, especially you guys at Breakside, some of the flavors you put on your menu, I'm like, what? Yeah, but you know. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but you know, I, I I think that's valid. I think that's totally fine. And 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 Ben's, Ben's palate is one of the, you know, most complex, eccentric, advanced palates of anyone I've ever met. Um, so he's going to pick up stuff that, you know, that people who whose other palates that I respect massively might not. Um, but what I always say, and this is what I say to our staff and what I try to explain to any any guests that comes in. And, and I've said this to you and I'll say this to you guys listening as well. You have to remember that like tasting notes are just the brewer's perception of this beer. But we also have to remember whether whether you're, you know, Ben's Ben Edmonds's palate or you're Mike Lynch's palate. Neither of you are wrong. Because it, it's your own palate. So that's why I think it's it's fun sometimes to not get that description. Because it kind of pushes you to create your own ideas on what you're tasting. Like so, I get some grassy bitterness from this. Do you taste it already or just from the smell? I did taste it. Okay, okay. Uh, Sorry, I'm way ahead of you. I, well, just, no, I, I, just, tasted, needed, I just needed hops. I, I needed tasted, them real desperately. I tasted it too. I just didn't see you taste it. Um, now, is this a West Coast style IPA? Yep. Okay, good. Very much so. In my head, I went, this... I was thinking back to our episode too. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of the West Coast style IPA. Yep. Think of the bitterness, the hop forward flavor. Well, and the thing with this one is that I've only taken one sip. The thing of this one is the bitterness is sticking with me at yep. the back end. And, and a lot of IPAs, they don't do that at the back end. You get it right in the beginning. It punch, Like I always say, the hot punch. It punches you in the face. And then it kind of smooths out so you go back for the other one, the other sip. This one is just like, hi, I'm a bitter IPA. Woo! I'm going to stay in your tongue and your palate. Hey, taste the hops. Hops! Well, So I, uh, it's a West Coast IPA for sure. I hadn't had this beer yet. Um, I bought a four-pack the other night because my buddy told me that I would love it. And I was like, ooh, beer of the week. I'll save it and I'll taste it when when we when we do it live. And uh, I think this is really awesome that we're doing this beer uh, for the OG episode, because this <laughs> kind of reminds me of some OG IPAs in the sense that it's bitter. But it's, it's also really the exact bitter. opposite of an OG, because it's made specifically for one place this <laughs> year know, only. I know, right? <laughs> Which is very much modern day times. But uh, uh, but in terms of flavor, it it's very bitter. It's very hoppy. And that is what IPAs, I would say, of the early to mid-2000s were like. Because you, you just said it a minute ago. They're starting to get away from that. It's it's becoming a, a, a smoother body, you know, less lingering bitterness, more citrus kick to it or more piney kick to it. This is earthy. This is grassy. And what's funny is it's made with citra hops. And I do get some of that, but I'm getting bitterness. And gosh yeah. darn it, I love it. I'm not getting a lot of citrus in this. And you're right, grassy, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I know it's an Ex Novo beer, and I, I am not one who has had a lot of Ex Novo, so that's the place that I'd like. Maybe we can do it on the podcast one day. Um, I just want to go more often and, and try some of their stuff. I've only been to Ex Novo once. Mm. Um, Great so, spot. I love that place. But the 
the thing I'm no- noticing about this, and maybe it's just because of the two beers we've had as beer of the week, we had their fresh hop Elliot that was made with uh, Centennial. Centennial. Yeah. And it was very earthy and grassy, but way more so because of the fresh hop. This is reminding me of that one. And maybe that's an ex novo thing. Maybe it's just the style of these two beers specifically, but it's very grassy. It's very bitter. Um, if you do not like hops, probably won't love this beer that much. <laughs> <laughs> but the can is awesome. The can is really cool. I mean, it's orange, Mike. What's our favorite color? Orange. Go Syracuse. Go Fanta. <laughs> not really. You want you want to you want to sidetrack rabbit hole real quick go about Fanta? Orange, go Orange Crush. I heard I heard a crazy story about Fanta. No, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. It's a bad idea. Okay, never mind. Orange Crush. Better orange than Fanta. Crush. What? You're you're crazy. I love orange. But crush. Fanta makes purple and red too. I'm just talking about the orange flavor, the orange right. soda flavor. All right, all come right. on. What about High C? Nah, too watery. Yeah, not enough carbonation. Yeah, it's also more like orange juice than orange soda. Like a hazy IPA. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> Sunny D. Um, uh, also hate Sunny D, by the way. Uh, what's funny is is I drink a lot of Ex Novo beer. Um, Elliot is one of my go... Just the regular Elliot is one of my go-to beers that it, if you came into my house and opened my fridge, do not be shocked if you see an Elliot IPA in there. Um, however, Elliot does not taste like this at all. I do not get that that grassy, earthy that we're getting from this, this lingering bitterness. I'm just talking about the fresh hop. Version. Oh, I know. But you were, say, you were saying, you know, you don't drink a ton of Ex Novo. I'm saying that this does... I'm with you. Kind of reminds me of those fresh hop beers that they made, uh, but it's it's very different than mm. their other IPAs that okay. they make. So it's not an ex novo style. It's just these two beers happen to be similar notes, right? But the funny thing is, is I smelled it and I was like, "This is clearly an ex novo beer." <laughs> is there are there other breweries out there that are like that? Because we've said Double Mountain is like that. I think Backwoods is like that. Okay. A lot of Backwoods beers have a similar smell and taste to them in terms of maybe the yeast they use or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again. Not a negative. Not 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 like every beer you taste is the same, but there's something in it where you're like, ah, yeah, a house flavor. Yeah, it's a backwards beer. So I think Double Mountain and Backwoods are two that I've had that I'm like, yep, I know, I know what beer I'm drinking. Um, I mean, I'm with you on the Double Mountain for sure. Um, I mean, I guess I have to be on the Ex Novo train now. Um, I feel that way with Breakside, but that's just probably because of saturation. Um, but I don't, I don't have many breweries that I can instantly off the bat say. Yep, that's made by them. Double Mountain for sure is one of them, and they might be really my only one. Yeah. Um, well, I'm trying to think. I'm try the new Backwoods spot in the Pearl if you haven't yet. Yeah, I haven't. And you'll see if you find that in the beer flavors they have. That there's something in the beer that makes me think it's a Backwoods beer. The files are in the computer. Yeah, the calls from in the house. Oh wow, that's wild. <laughs> Two movie references in one. Whoa. Um, oh. Whoa. I was trying not to. Sorry, man. I was trying not to. It's going to happen. It's like my thing now. Uh, 14 Keanu Reeves references and 14 uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale references. Yeah, which one will die first? That's going to be the curious one. Uh, neither. <laughs> as long as you're here, neither are going to die. What uh, if I die? Whoa. Don't say that. I suppose that's true. That's sad. Yeah, I don't want to die. Any other? Uh... I, got, I got so much stuff to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, while you play Stanford this weekend, yeah. How about like the rest of your life, not just tomorrow? Oh, that's a good point. You're gonna go one day at a time. Thanks, football coach. Yeah, it's gonna take a one. It's one day at a one time. One day at a time. Yeah, how not sure you, on the injury yet. How do you live life? One day at a time, man. One day at a time. Yeah. What are you doing this Saturday? I don't know. Today's Wednesday. Yeah. Gotta, one day at a time. Yeah. I haven't even thought about Thursday yet. No. So anything else in this beer? It's 
It's pretty straightforward, I think. It's I, I think so too. It's, it's grassy, it's bitter, it's hoppy. It's this you're right. It harkens back to the old school West West Coast IPA where they're not trying to be approachable if we're going to go ahead and and say yeah i would say this is not an approachable ipa this is an ipa for old school ipa drinkers i think it's an ipa which as i stand on my lawn with my shotgun yelling at the neighborhood kids this is the beer in my hand (laughs) get off my lawn yeah man this is what i'm talking about this is an ipa the and i think to further that point this might be the beer for craft beer drinkers yeah because you can appreciate the bitterness and and the strong hops in this without being like, why am I drinking? This is hard to drink. Why am I drinking this? It's not hard to drink. It's just different. Right. And I think craft beer savants, if you will, would like this a lot. And I think, you know, I owe my buddy Todd a lot of credit for recommending this beer to me. He was like, it's right up your alley. And these days, when someone says it's right up your alley to me, that usually just means it's traditional West Coast non-hazy. You know, because that's, that's everything my is hazy right Because these days, yeah, everything's hazy. And we're just, you know, people that make clean IPAs and, and clear IPAs, they, they still make those. Those are still out there. But it's few and far between, between to find new small batch stuff from breweries you love and respect. And so when he said it's right up your alley, I was like, oh, okay, you know, like a citrusy, easy drinking, light bodied IPA. Yeah, sounds great. I'll love it. I didn't know that he truly knew what I wanted, which is nobody is making an IPA like this right now. Nobody. And to have this right now in a world where everybody wants fermented orange juice and with so much hops that you can't even taste the hops, like this is this is nice. It warms my heart. I'm glad that I have two more in my fridge. The last beer that I had like this, you're right, it was a while ago, mm-hmm. was a Gigantic IPA. Yeah, yeah. Ben over there, Gigantic, he uh, he uh, sticks to his he sticks to his guns. He likes his beer the way he likes his beer. Right, and that's, you're right, it's hazies. And honestly, that might lead into our next non-location episode. We have to talk about hazies. We have to. Yeah. We have to talk about the style. We have to talk about why they've been proliferated so, so far. Mm-hmm. Why everyone's doing them, why people are obsessed with them. Yeah. I don't really understand it. And I want to talk about it because people love it. People yep. are loving the style. So maybe that's a couple of weeks away. That's our next style based podcast. I know we've already done a West Coast IPA, but we're so in the thick of the haze craze right now. I know. And we almost like, at least I do. I don't want to speak for you, but it's almost like I'm trying to ignore it. But we can't not accept it. We can't ignore it. I know. Not for much longer anyway. I know. So maybe that'll be a couple weeks away. Uh, We keep teasing the block 15 on location. We're We're working on it. We're still working on it. Trust us, we're working on it. Uh, It's not going to be next week. Next week's podcast, we're going to the new Berelick location. Yep. And uh, that's going to be our next podcast takeover. Our is that our third podcast takeover now. Uh, yeah, we did Stormbreaker. No, we did Stormbreaker. We did the Double Mountain and Freem. Oh yeah, and now this is our third one. <laughs> is it funny that I forget the Double Mountain and Freem one? <laughs> it's not not that funny because I understand. Yeah, <laughs> we drank a lot of beer that day. Um, so that'll be our next podcast takeover. It's going to be out at Berlick and be the uh, new location. I full disclosure, I haven't been to the new location. You said you were saving it, right? Yeah. Well, no, I wasn't saving. I was saving Stormbreaker for you, oh, okay. but I wasn't saving the Berlick because I love Berlick so much. But you know, if you listen to this show long enough, you understand how of a curmudgeon and you know stuck in my ways guy I am. I just always go to the original spot of Berlick. I'm like, yeah, that's on the east side. Uh. <laughs> ah, cool. You know, I ran into a bunch of the Barrelit guys last night trying to lock down uh, the takeover for us uh, for next week's podcast. And we were just talking and we were blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, 
yeah, how's the new place going? They're like, oh, it's awesome. I'm like, oh, I'm so happy for you. See you on 11th? Yeah, all right. I'm still going to the OG spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's coming up next week. It's our next podcast takeover, the, the Barrel Lake Brewing. That's next week. Maybe hazy IPAs will be after that, and we're still working, don't worry, on Block 15. We both want to go It'll really happen. badly. It'll happen. And make a day of it and go to some other Corvallis ones and maybe go to McMinnville and do some stuff in that day and have a DD. My wife, love you. Um, love you too. She doesn't listen, so <laughs> really supportive. Um, so that'll be coming up in the next month or so. And uh, hopefully some uh, other interesting things. Again, hint, hint. Yeah, Oregon, hint, hint. Oregon history yeah. might be coming up a little bit. Uh, or It might be coming up shortly. Yeah, we've more uh, specific Oregon history. Yeah, thanks to you guys. You guys have put us in a position where we are about to um, embark on some really cool new endeavors, and we'll keep you guys posted once we know stuff. So, really appreciate you guys listening. Please do continue to to download the podcast, subscribe to us on Radio.com, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you find us, Stitcher. Uh, rate us, review us. We really appreciate anything that you can do, and and feel free to l- let us know about the podcast on social media. At Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter, at PDD085 on Instagram, and uh, also on at 1080thefan on Twitter. Next week, Barrelick Brewing. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Deuces. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.